You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. Speed and agility. The other character is, is is a tortoise who was just sick of always hearing about the hare's constant pride. So one day, the tortoise did something about it. He challenged the hare to a foot race. The hare says, yo, let's go. I got this all day long, all day, every day. I will beat you like, like it's no one's business. And so on the day of the race, as expected, the hare moves out to a pretty sizable lead. And so the hare then looks around and says, like, tortoise is nowhere to be found. I'm going to stop and take a, have a little snack and take a little nap. So while the hare does that, the hare is confident, hey, I'm going to wake up from this nap, I'm going to finish the race, and I'm still going to beat the tortoise. The story goes is that the hare did wake up, and it ran as fast as it could to to the finish line to find that the tortoise had already beaten him there. Kids, help me out here. What is the moral of that story? Who knows? Oh, my word. Kids, do you not know the moral of the story? Parents, what are we doing? All right, parents, help me out here. What? Slow and steady wins the race. We just need to start sharing an Aesop fable every day for the intro of sermons from here to kingdom come. Yeah, slow and steady wins the race. Man, I was sure this is going to be an easy, easy onset. I got to explain a lot more. But yes, slow and steady wins the race, guys. So like the tortoise and the hare, living a successful Christian life isn't about how flashy you are. It's all about faithfulness. It is a slow and steady commitment to following after Jesus each and every day. It's not about the big moments. It's about the quiet moments, many that are left unseen, where you and I make the decision to follow after Christ. As Pastor Eugene Peterson put it, the Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. It is doing the same thing over and over again. And in the context of 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, talks about the Christian life as a race, one that needs discipline and commitment. In in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, the Apostle Paul says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run that you may obtain it. And in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul shows us three disciplines that can help us do just that. To finish our race well. To run to win the prize. So today we're going to see that Paul calls us to learn from the past. To lean on God's promises and to live in the present. And as you and I decide to do those things each and every day, we are going to run the race that God has called us to. So guys, we have a lot of scripture to cover today, but before we do, let's just stop and ask God's blessing over our time this morning. So would you please join me in prayer? Father, I thank you, God, for the opportunity we have now to open up your word. God, every time we do as a church family, God, something special happens. Your word brought by your spirits, is implanted, God, into our hearts, causing life change and transformation 
causing us to remember the hope that, that each of us have, Lord, who know you as our, as our Lord and Savior. God, speaking to us about sin that needs to be um, put out of our lives, Lord, it encourages us to trust and follow you, God, with all that we have. So this morning, God, I pray, Father, that you would be present during our time here. That, God, that you would speak to the hearts of men and women. That your son Jesus would be honored. God, and most of all, Lord, that we would leave this time, God, encouraged, God, and strengthened, Father, to follow after you with all that we have. So, God, I pray, Lord, that I would just step out of the way. Lord, and that your son Jesus would be high and lifted up and that your word would do what only your word can, change the hearts and lives of men and women. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, church, the first discipline that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 10 is that you and I must be committed to learning from the past. See, I truly believe that one of the best ways that we can impact our future is by looking to and learning from what has already happened. Looking to and learning from the past. In the first 12 verses, Paul uses the people of Israel as examples that we can learn from. So let's, let's look at the first five verses together. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, beginning at verse 1, he says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual fruits, food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. That is like jam-packed with things. And I'm, we're not going to break down every single part, but I, wanna, I want you to notice a few things. Church, what, what is one word that, that is repeated often in those verses? Who can, who can see it and shout it out? All right, we got spiritual, okay. All, yeah, all, yes. All is mentioned there four or five, I think it's five times in there. And what, what Paul is doing in verse, five, in verse 1, he says, listen, I want you, I don't want you to be unaware. I want you to remember. I want you to think of certain things. And what Paul wants us to remember as we look back to the past, he wants us to remember what the children of, of Israel went through as they left Egypt. And he repeats this word all, often. And he says, listen, every one of them, they all experienced the blessings of God. They all experienced God's guidance and protection as he led them by a pillar of cloud and fire. They all experienced God's power as they walked through the parted Red Sea. They all experienced God's provision as they ate manna and, and from heaven and drank water from the rock in, in, in the wilderness when they had nothing to eat or drink. But yet in the midst of all of that blessing, we have verse 5 where most of God's people, except two, Caleb and Joshua, died in the wilderness and didn't enter the promised land. Church, the first thing that you and I can learn from the past is that we have a possibility of forfeiting future re rewards. 
You see, when God brought his people out of Egypt, he, he said he was leading them to a land that they could call their own, called the promised land. A land that was flowing with milk and honey. A land that they could, that they could flourish and that they could raise their families in. A land to call their own. And the fact that only two people from that generation entered the promised land doesn't mean that God failed. It means that the people, God's people, the Israelites, forfeited their reward through doubt and disobedience. See, some people look at this and be like, well, you know, God told them he was leading them there, but only two people, two people went in, so it must have been something God did. Now, God's promise was still true. It was because the people failed to follow after God, that they lost out on the possibility of entering into and experiencing all that God had for them. And church, the lesson for you and I is that we have a possibility of missing out on God's best for us because of sin and disobedience. Guys, we need to understand that God loves you, and God wants the very best for you, but God is not going to bless you when you continue to live in sin. God isn't going to put a stamp of approval on your life as you continue to doubt God and do your own thing. So the first lesson from the past is that you and I have to make the choice each and every day. What am I going to decide to chase after? I'm going to chase after sin or this pleasure, whatever it may be, or, or am I going to decide to follow God even when it's hard? We can simply ask the question, when we come to those moments where you have to make that choice, and simply ask, is this present sin worth giving up God's future blessing? Church, what we do matters now. It will impact what we experience from God in the future. So that's, that's the first lesson, that we can forfeit rewards. This will give you another scripture to kind of back that up. 2 John 1.8 says, Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what you worked for, but that you may win a full reward. Watch over your hearts. Watch, watch over what you chase after. And understand that what we do now matters to what we experience in the future. But the second lesson we can learn from the past is to avoid the same mistakes. Let's read verses 6 through 11 together. Paul writes this, Now these things took place as examples for us, that we may not desire evil as they did. So do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. It's talking about when Moses is up on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments. And the people are down, are down making a golden calf to worship. That's what, that, that's what's being referenced there. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happen to them as an example. But they are written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So church, Paul doesn't write these things to just make a laundry list of things not to do. Paul mentions those things for the Corinthians and for us 
as an example for our instruction. You see it in verse 11, and you see it 6, and you see it in verse 11. Um, it's called an in, inclusio. It's a literary form to prove a point. So sandwiched within 6 and 11 are four examples of things not to do. But he says, I, want the, I, I, wrote, them, I wrote these things to you as an example. That, that word example literally has the meaning of, of a rubber stamp or a seal being pressed into a paper, leaving a mark as it's lifted up, leaving something there. So what, what Paul is saying is, listen, I wrote these things not so that you can just make a list of, yeah, that's really terrible. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. Yeah, we shouldn't even maybe even talk about those things because they're so bad. Paul, Paul says, I want them to leave a mark on you. I want you to process through these sins so that it actually changes how you think and how you live. I ask these questions to my kids a lot, just to kind of help them process through consequences of sins. But it's probably a good thing for all of us to really think, of, think through as we see sinfulness in, in the world around us. And it simply are, are these three questions. One, I, I, want them, I want us to ask, what did they do? What did the person do? What, what act of sin did they commit? What did they do? What were the consequences? Okay, what happened afterwards? And sometimes you, you don't see that consequence right away. Sometimes it does take a while to understand that thing. But in here, in 1 Corinthians 10, you see, okay, this person committed sexual, sexual immorality. A bunch of them did. And 23,000 people died that very day. So you see that consequence right there. So you ask, what did they do? What, what were the consequences? But then thirdly, you ask, am I willing to suffer the same? This is the one where you really start thinking, okay, these are the consequences. Am I willing to suffer that same consequence? And it helps us just think, guys, is that sin actually worth it? Those people, as they're committing sexual immorality, at the moment they're thinking, this is fun, this is great. I don't think any of them are thinking about the consequence about it. And church, what Paul wants us to do is, hey, avoid the same mistakes by actually thinking about what's going to happen if you commit that sin. Avoid the same consequences. Avoid the, those mistakes. But there is another mistake that Paul brings up here in verse 12. In verse 12 he says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he, takes, that he stands take heed lest he fall. And the second mistake for us to avoid is that we don't think, that don't think you are stronger than you are. See, Paul warns us about believing that we are above falling into sin or experiencing those same consequences. Listen, and I get it, and I've been there, I've done this, where I think about committing a sin and I look at other people who have committed that same sin and have gotten caught or there have been life-altering consequences in their lives to think, no, no, that's not me. It's not going to happen to me. I'm, I'm going to be smarter than that. Um, I'm, I'm going to be better than that. I'm not going to let what happened to that person happen to me. Church, that's a lie. Listen, growing up in school, maybe some of you can, maybe some of you can um, identify with this. I was always that kid that was leaning back in their chair. We have any chair leaner backers here? Some of you guys, yeah, you all got, we all probably got the same scar in the back of our heads. 
Because as I'm leaning back, I remember my teacher saying, Dave, you're going to lean back so far and, and you're going to fall out of your chair. He's like, no, no, no. I got this. I've seen other people where, where they failed. I know just about the right level of, you know, how to, you know, put my weight so I'm not going to fall. And what happens? You fall, of course. That's what always happened. I fell and cracked my head open kind of thing. And I remember my teacher, like, in the most polite way possible saying, I, I told you so. I told you that this was going to happen. Church, we think of something as trivial as leaning back in our chairs. But the illustration fits because most of us actually think, I got this. It ain't going to happen to me. No one's going to find out. Scripture says, be sure that your sin will find you out. It is going to happen. You are not as strong as you think you are. And I, I love this quote by, by Charles Simeon, the great pastor. It says, however advanced any man may be in age or piety, he is still in danger of falling. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been at this game of following Jesus. I don't care how holy you think you are. All of us are in danger of falling. Do not think you are stronger than you are. That is a lie that Satan tells us to get us to commit life-altering sin. So the first discipline involves looking back and learning from the past. The, the second discipline I want to talk to you about this morning is when we want to give up. Listen, there's a, a moment in running a race called hitting the wall. My wall would be a lot closer than a lot of yours. But we all have it, right? We all have that moment where it's like, I can't go on anymore. And everything in your body is telling you to give up and to give in. And, 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 at those, and in that moment when you're hitting the wall, you have to push yourself mentally through it. You say, yes, everything hurts. Yes, my whole body feels like it's on fire. But there's a moment where you gather up some kind of strength to keep moving forward. And church, there will be moments in your Christian life where you're going to feel like giving up. Where you're going to be tempted to give up and give in to whatever sin, sin Satan has laid in front of you at that moment. But in those moments, God calls us to develop the discipline of leaning on his promises. And I want to show you a really familiar verse for most of us, but kind of see in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look, Look with me in verse 13. He says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Church, there are three promises found within this verse that God calls us to lean, lean on each and every day. The first promise is that you need to understand that you are not alone. See that first part of that verse? No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. See, when we are in the midst of, of our fight with sin, one of the things that Satan will tell you is that you are all alone. You are the only person that has ever experienced this or struggled with this sin. You are worthless. You are a failure. And no one, 
can identify with what you're going through right now. And I love what God gently says. He says, listen, child. Yes, this, temp this temptation is hard. Yes, you may feel like you're all alone, but you are not. And he says, you are experiencing what millions of Christians throughout the centuries have struggled with. And they have found some measure of victory, and you can as well. It's not just you. Not only have Christians throughout centuries dealt with whatever temptation you're dealing with, but Hebrews chapter 2 says that Jesus himself dealt with that same temptation. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 says, Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. See, the, the story of the gospel, the message of the gospel, is that God came down to us in the form of a man, in the form of Jesus Christ, who walked this life, who experienced everything that we're going through. So when you cry out for help, when you ask Jesus for help, he understands what you're feeling right at that moment. He says, I'm here. I can identify with what you're going through. And I'm going to help. You are not alone. But God reminds us of a second promise where he says, you are able to overcome. Man, I love the middle of this verse. It says, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Friends, there, there are times when it feels like the temptation is so strong that the only way out is to sin. That there is no resisting, that there is no fighting back. The only way out is to give in and sin. But in those moments, God reminds us that he will never allow us to be tempted to the point that we can't handle it. It's as if God has his hand on, on our life's thermostat. And he, will never, and he will never raise the temperature more than we're able to handle. So he simply says, listen, you are able to overcome. In those moments when you feel like you can't, listen, God is faithful. God is there. God is walking with you. And he will not allow something to enter into your life that you are not able to overcome. So you lean on that promise, even when you don't believe that it's true, even when you feel like there is like, just like giving up and there is not another way out. He says, there is, and you're able to do it. Lean on that promise. And lastly, the third promise that we see in this verse, we see at the end, but with the temptation, he will always provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. How many of you are thankful for that? Mid your temptation, God faithfully provides a way out. Friends, you will never encounter a situation where the only way out is sin. God always provides a way to escape. It might be claiming a promise. It might be saying a prayer. 
It might be calling a friend. It might be fleeing from a location. But God always provides a way out of temptation so that you can stand and endure it. Now let's be real. Some of us need to be a little smarter on where we put ourselves. To allow, to allow, to put ourselves in situations where we allow, we freely invite temptation in. But even in those moments, even, even in our stupidity, God says, I got you. Here's the way out. So part of it is being a lot more cautious about where we go and the positions that we put ourselves in and the things that we allow into, into, our, into our hearts and into our minds. But even in those moments when we are faithless, God says, I am faithful. And he will faithfully provide a way out so that you can stand and endure it. Church, God calls us to lean on his promises even when we feel like giving in. Our last discipline we're going to talk about today is found in verse 14. Verse 14 simply says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Simple as that. See, as we've seen earlier in the book, that the Christian church has dealt with, the Corinthian church has, was dealing with idolatry. That was a big thing for them. And so when this command comes up, he, he brings it up again. He kind of wraps it up from things that he talked about in chapter 8. But that command, something I just want to bring up, that command is in the present tense. So what that means is that, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry right now, in this present moment. Don't think about it. Don't do it in the future. Don't, don't think about the past and the ways that you fled from idolatry before. Right here, right now, flee from idolatry. And from that tense, I believe, comes this discipline that you and I need to live in the present. See, as we've already seen throughout the book of Corinthians, idolatry was a big deal. And as Christian, God's call, God calls us to certain moments where we must step up and follow him. And for the Corinthians, the fight against idolatry was their fight. This was their moment. So Paul encouraged them to live in the present and trust that God would stand with them as they fought. Friends, I believe we have complicated what it looks like to follow Jesus. We've made it harder than it should be. See, some of us live in the past. Mourning regrets of times where we haven't followed God. And we're stuck there. And we can't get beyond that. Some of us live in the past in the, in the way that we are still celebrating victories of, of, of obedience to Christ 10, 15, 20 years ago. And every day, all we do is we think back to those moments. And we celebrate those moments while ignoring what God has called us to do now. And some of us are stuck in the future. Some of us say, God, once I get through high school, or God, once I figure out, figure out my major, get through college, and get my first job, then I'm going to follow after you. God, when, when I finally get married, 
or have kids, that's when I'm going to follow after you. God, in whatever season of life is coming, that's when I'm going to follow after you. But friends, I am convinced that instead of worrying about the next five years, you and I need to start worrying about doing the next right thing. Because God calls us to live in the present. And it's simply this. It's waking up, listening to the voice of God, and living in obedience. It's waking up each day and saying, God, what is the one thing you want me to do, want me to do today? And then stepping out in faith and doing it. I'm serious. If you ask God that, if you wake up and say, God, what's the one thing you want me to do? He's going to tell you. And he's going to walk with you as you strive to obey whatever that thing is. And I'm not sure what that thing may be for you, but, but you know. And, and, and God's going to let you know. So living in the presence simply is asking God, what would you have me do today? And doing it. And waking up the next day. And asking God the same question. And living by faith and obedience to what God calls you to do. And the next day, and the next day, and, and, and the day after that. Living in the present simply is, God, what would you have me to do? And going out and doing it. God wants us to live in the present. Friends, as I, as I wrap up today, as I call the praise and the prayer team forward, I just want to leave you with one final thing. I want to leave you with this idea that there are no shortcuts to spiritual success. There's none. I wish I could sell you a book or give you a pill to take or whatever it may be. And that just like that, you're going to be on your way to running the race God has for you. But it's not like that. It's a slow and steady commitment to follow after Jesus. It's cultivating the daily disciplines of learning from the past, leaning on God's promises, and living in the present. And it's doing those things each and every day and committing to those things. It's the long obedience in the same direction. But as we do, let me encourage you with this. We will get to the end of our race and be able to say with the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4, So I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with which, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Church, by God's grace, let's run to win the prize. Let's stand. Uh, let me pray over you before we sing one more song. Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness. God, I thank you, God, for your grace, God, in our lives. I thank you, God, for 1 Corinthians 10 and the call just to follow after you each and every day. God, I pray, Lord, that we would learn from the past, that we would learn from Scripture, God, and the, the narratives that are there, that we, that we learn from our own story, God, or the stories of others, 
that we would be encouraged to follow after you, Lord, but we would also find the mistakes to avoid. God, I pray, Lord, that we learn to lean on your promises. God, Lord, that in the moment when we want to give up, know that we are not alone, that we are able to overcome temptation, God, and that you will provide a way out. Not because of our own doing, God, but leaning upon what your word has said. And lastly, God, help us to live in the present. Help us to be obedient to what you have called us to today and tomorrow and the day after that. God, may we live to serve you, God, with all that we have in, in the moments that you've given us each and every day, God. Thank you, God, for the hope that we have through the gospel. Lord, we're not doing this on our own strength. God, we're doing it because you are transforming our hearts we're doing it, God, because our sins have been forgiven already. We're not doing it to, 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 uh, to gain your approval, God. Our sins have been taken care of. We're doing it out of gratitude, Father, for what you have already done. So, God, I pray for my friends today. God, may they run their race well. May we celebrate them as they do. And may we point out, God, and see the grace, your grace, God, working in their lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.